something beautiful when you understand literary criticism and those uh, kind of things. With today's gospel passage, of course, we have to remember that it happened this way, but the authors of the gospels, the evangelists, wrote it in such a way that a literary critique could be used to help us to understand what, what is happening. And I forget the formal name of it, but it's when you tell a story within the story. When you stop the action of a story, you go and tell another story, and when you return to the first story, the story you told in the meantime helps to understand what was really going on. The best example in movies, and, and the, the only one that came to mind uh, really is one of my favorite movies, and I was able to watch it the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago as I was recovering, and that is Secondhand Lions. I don't want to give too much away because it's a beautiful movie, and I encourage, it's, it's very family-friendly. There is a little bit of violence, but uh, uh, the funniest thing I have to admit is where the name Secondhand Lions comes from. But it's about a boy who is basically abandoned by his mother at his great uncle's house, two old crotchety old men who are eccentric as eccentric can be, and there he's raised. But they interrupt that story to tell about his uncles, great uncles, and their story of their growing up and how they came to understand masculinity, manhood. And that helps him, this basically orphaned boy, his mother is still alive, but it helps him to understand what it means for him to stand on his own two feet, what it means for him to enter into masculinity himself. And one particular point, you can see that the lesson was well received. It's a beautiful movie, so I don't make any money if you go and watch it today or anything like that, but it, it is, uh, um, I forget where, where you can find it streamed, I think it's Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Video. But, Today we have that same kind of thing. We interrupt the story of this young girl in order to tell the story of an older woman who has been afflicted by hemorrhages for 12 years. Can you imagine 12 years of bleeding? That's a long time. And St. Mark tells us she suffered greatly, not because of the bleeding, but at the hands of the doctors. Now, I have a great appreciation for doctors and nurses, and especially in the last six weeks, even greater than I ever have, but sometimes they are unable to help. And here, they were actually taking advantage of her. She spent all she had, and even though she spent all she had, she had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor, not one had helped her, and she grew worse for 12 years. And she hears about Jesus. If I did just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I just touch him, I'll be healed. And so in the midst of the crowd, she reaches out in faith, touches him, and is healed. And of course, Jesus realizes right away what had happened. Power came out of him. You have to stop and think about this. He wasn't even aware of what was happening. Well, maybe he was, but he didn't know who had touched him. But he's so filled with life, so filled with power, just a single touch could heal. That he so wants healing that he doesn't even have to think about it. He's the, of course, incarnation of the second person of the Trinity. He is God made man. And as we heard in today's first reading, God does not enjoy death. 
He did not create death and he does not enjoy death. Rather, he's the giver of life. And we say that every time we pray the creed, don't we? That the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. That God gives life, not death. And of course, Jesus, who touched me? And I, and I have to admit, it's a funny scene when you think about it. And the apostles just saying, well, what do you mean who touched you? Everyone touched you. The, the whole crowd is around you. They're pressing into you. What do you mean who touched you? Everyone did. But this woman, realizing what had happened, comes forward in fear and trembling, perhaps, and tells him the whole story. I keep wondering, why was she the only one that was healed that day? I'm sure in the midst of the crowd, the only one healed in this particular moment, I should say, she was, after all, everyone in that crowd, out of everyone, probably somebody had more diseases. Not everyone is healthy all the time. So many people have hidden diseases. Why was she the only one that was healed? What difference was she versus the rest of the crowd? And perhaps it's her faith. That she, being desperate, not reaching out for her last cause, but reaching out to the only one who can help her, realizing that she had been failed at the hands of experts, that they, despite their best intentions maybe, maybe their worst intentions of just getting wealthy off of her, they were unable to help her, but she, in faith, knew that Jesus could, and even more importantly, that he would help her. So the issue of blood that she experienced for 12 years goes away and she goes healed while everyone else who touched Jesus that day in that crowd was left unhealed if they had any disease at all. We return then to the main story that the, the St. Mark is trying to tell about this girl, this daughter of Jairus, and did you catch how old she was? 12 years. As long as a woman afflicted by the issue of blood had suffered, this girl had been alive. She's just about to enter into her womanhood, 13. Jewish custom is, well, it's more for a boy, the bar mitzvah. When they turn 13, they are entered into that covenant in a formal way, that they become a man, recognized as a man in, in society, in the Jewish society. And the same was somewhat true for women, that now she's entering into her womanhood with all that means, and she has died. Jairus was just a little too late. And they come to Jesus and say, well, why bother you any longer? She's dead, and Jesus will have none of it. He gets to the house, and, and we might not understand what all this commotion and weeping is all about, but uh, in, the, in the days of Jesus, and there was a custom that in order to tell people, you would hire mourners, and mourners would come from near and far, even in a small village, so most, most of the people knew who had died, but it wasn't always the case. Uh, sometimes there's a joke about people who just go to the funeral and without realizing or recognizing who the person is, they go to the funeral just for the luncheon. If you want to imagine that, that's kind of what's happening, could have happened here. But they were professional mourners all the same. They knew death. They were experts in death. And so when Jesus says, oh, she's not, not dead but asleep, they mock him. We know death, they might have said. We know she's dead. We've seen it. 
Maybe you know this, but most of the time, dead people don't return to life. Dead is dead. As alive as the woman was, though suffering, this girl is helpless, completely helpless, unable to be helped too by the doctors because she's dead. But Jesus, in two simple Aramaic, Aramaic words, says, Talitha kum, young girl, I tell you, arise. <coughs> and she's raised from the dead. The stories, again, story doesn't always mean made up, but these stories are recorded to tell us whether we have faith like this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years and reaching out to Jesus, or whether we have a parent who loves us so much that they reach out to Jesus for us. Jesus is so filled with life, he gives life and can reverse even death itself. Though we have to remember that this little girl, perhaps some maybe 50 years later, experienced death again. And this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, however old she was, probably some few years later, experienced death again. But, because of Christ's death and resurrection, they experience eternal life. I cannot, cannot imagine them being other than followers after Jesus had healed them both. I cannot imagine them just walking away and saying, why well, I was healed once by that, that man, but he's nothing more than a man. They would have continued to worship, continued to celebrate in thanksgiving what the Lord had done for them. And I find myself wondering about us. I know I don't have the faith of this woman. Sometimes my faith is dead, much like this little girl. Sometimes I need people to pray for me. Sometimes I need to pray for people because I see their faith struggling. And Christ, being Christ, heals. And sometimes, on the other side, my, my faith is strong, but I don't always get what I pray for. And I'm not praying for a million dollars. I joke about that, but I'm not praying for a million dollars or a bunch of stuff, but I'm praying for health and healing for particular individuals. I remember one time, and I share the story, unfortunately, maybe too frequently, but when I was fairly newly ordained, there was a man who called, who wanted to visit with a priest. And so I went and listened to his story. Some 40-plus years before, his family disowned him. He fell in love with a Protestant woman, and his parents, how dare you get out of this house and never come back. His parents never talked to him again. His brothers and sisters disowned him, did not talk to him. And he was married outside the church. And after some 40 plus years, he developed cancer, a very aggressive form. And his wife, still Protestant, told him, maybe you should contact the priest. Maybe you should go back. I prayed for him. I prayed that that cancer would go away and that everything would be healed and, and such. It didn't happen. After about two months, he had died. But in that two months, we were able to get his marriage recognized by the church. In that two months, his brothers and sisters spontaneously, 
without him reaching out, came to him and found that he was dying. There was healing and reconciliation. His parents had long since passed. In those two months, he received the Eucharist, reconciliation. And towards the end, when he was unable to swallow the host, we made sure he could receive at least the precious blood. The day before his death, he received the precious blood and viaticum. And at his funeral, there it was, his family, some he hadn't talked to in 40 plus years, sitting with his, his widow. Yeah, he didn't experience physical healing, but there was tremendous spiritual healing. Tremendous. It was beautiful. If we begin to see that health and healing is much more than physical, maybe we can see that we do reach out in faith. We do reach out and touch the hem of Jesus much different. Or perhaps, and maybe this is a challenge, when we reach out our hands today and touch Jesus in this Eucharist, or rather Jesus touching us, that we should be unlike the crowd. Instead of just pressing in and touching him without realizing what we're doing, to be like this woman, to reach out and touch with faith. If I just touch him, I'll be healed. And to pray for those that are unable to pray for themselves, either because they're unaware or because their faith is so challenged, to pray that Jesus too would come to them and tell them whatever the Aramaic word is for their state of life. But boom, arise.